Hello, this is Dean G. Parsons and you are listening to me on Dino Creative. I thought I'd read a poem from my collection for you now. It's entitled Set Apart. I think many listeners will identify with it and I hope that you will feel comforted by the positive message, the message of resilience in the final part of the poem. Here it is. Set Apart. Like the square peg in a round hole, the black sheep or the broken bowl. Like one mature student in the class, the short straw or the do not pass. Like the faded actor of prior fame, the odd one out or the horse now lame. Parkinson's sets you apart. Like the fabled man in the moon, the unsinkable Titanic or Brigadoon. Like Marilyn Munster, or the odd sock, the ugly duckling, or the faulty clock. Like the mismatched shade of paint on the wall, the out-of-tune singer, or the class know-it-all. Parkinson's sets you apart. But, like a mountain awaits for its peak to be climbed, the race to be won, or a developing mind. Like buried treasure about to be found the piano concerto or the healed wound unbound. Like the young bird's first flight from the nest, the conquering hero, or doing our best, I set Parkinson's apart. Right, I'd just like to take a moment to say a hello to a regular listener called Pam. Pam in Leyston in Suffolk. Thank you so much for your lovely feedback, and it's lovely to know that you follow my work sending you a big hello and hoping that you're well. One of the difficulties that fellow people with Parkinson's tell me about is their sense of frustration at the realisation their diagnosis has changed them forever. I know this feeling myself. I too am well aware of the limitations this disease has placed upon my life and of how I will never regain my former good health and ability. That is really tough to accept, yet accept we must. For some, the change from who they were to who they are with Parkinson's is too much. These dear people find themselves in the quagmire of depression. What I believe I am witnessing within those who sadly sink into depression is a deep sense of grief and loss. This is caused by a difficulty accepting change. Typically, depression is often exacerbated by introspective thinking. The cycle of thinking about our lot in life serves as both a cause and an effect of depression. In fact, one could sometimes question which comes first, the depression or the thought. Nonetheless, the two become enmeshed in a vicious cycle with seemingly no way out. That is, the belief is that there is no way out. It is just a belief, and it is one I do not hold with. You see, for me, Although I must now live differently to how I lived before, I still consider myself to be me. There is a continuum. The onset, development and diagnosis of my symptoms were not the end of who I was. They simply represent a new experience that the person I am has to face. As with all experiences, I will be affected and even changed by what I go through. But that is what each significant experience in life has always done to each of us. We develop, we adapt, we change, we grow. Even in the darkest of times, and I too have days where I feel down, we can learn how to do well, to be the best we can be, and to enjoy something within each new day.
Certainly, if I dwell on no longer being able to hike or ride a horse or go kayaking or decorate my house or even just move without pain and difficulty, I'm going to feel sorrowful. And that is why I had to choose to accept my new reality, because I chose not to accept feeling sorrowful. Acceptance has enabled me to look at each new day and think, what can I do rather than what I can no longer do? The key is to adapt your mindset. You have a new reality and so you must let go of your expectations of what you were able to do when you were more capable. You have to base your expectations reasonably now on what you are capable of today. Also, don't discount all the knowledge in your head, your skills, your hobbies. These may be the key to living life in a new way going forward and building on them. For example, until last year, it was reasonable to expect me to mow the lawn once per week in the summer before my disability worsened. And I cannot do this now. It is reasonable that I still see getting the lawn mown as my responsibility. But rather than nearly kill myself trying to mow the lawn and rather than become depressed that I can no longer mow the lawn, I focus on the fact that a solution is needed. So I arranged for a local person to take over mowing the lawn. It looks well tended and because I live up to my responsibility. So instead of getting stuck in a negative mindset, I can feel a sense of achievement and, even better, while the, our lovely gardener mows the lawn, I have extra time to write and study. A win-win, as they say. I'd like to read you a poem briefly. And it's called Look in the Right Place. And I wrote this. It's in my book, A Look Inside, My Parkinson's Life in Poetry, which is available on Amazon. And it's by me, Dean G. Parsons. Look in the right place. We must look into the dark to find our might. We must search inside our hearts to find what's right. We must walk along the road to find our sight. We must offer out our hand to find the light. We must certainly look up to find the bright. For anyone who hasn't heard me over the past few weeks, I too have Parkinson's. I'm a writer, a psychotherapist, and I also help run a wonderful support group for people with Parkinson's and those close to them called Parkinson's Road. Come along and find us on Facebook. Just to recap, we're called Parkinson's Road. This week, I've been thinking about how we, as people with Parkinson's, let others know how we're doing. As a co-facilitator of the support group for people with Parkinson's, I see that one of the most difficult aspects for anyone participating is to disclose personal difficulty. Whatever we may be dealing with, there may be a significant fear of judgment about saying, I'm having a tough day. I'm not coping, or even I need help. Indeed, far easier to remain silent or to console someone else in difficulty than to share something that reveals weakness, right? Stay out of the spotlight, so to speak. Well, wrong. I believe that holding on to your personal difficulty for fear of feeling a sense of shame is actually far more difficult in practice than disclosing an uncomfortable truth. You see, holding on to a difficulty means that there is little opportunity for progress or resolution. By retaining difficulty, 
nothing will be progressed. In fact, while the difficulty remains, it may also worsen. And then what happens? Well, the suffering continues. We're far more likely to feel alone. We may also miss an opportunity to learn and to grow. Some people see talking about their problem or difficulty as a weakness. I believe that taking a risk to describe your difficulty with others is not only a sign of bravery, but that allowing yourself to feel vulnerable is a sign of strength. After all, if something is easy, would it really have any value? Is it not the things that challenge us that have real meaning and worth? As a psychotherapist, I can attest to the fact that the more people learn to speak openly, the more people learn to let go of fear, anxiety, low self-worth, low self-confidence, and the more we let go of things that might ordinarily serve to divide us. In fact, the members of a support group can become kinder, less judgmental, and more accepting of difference. The next poem was written after diagnosis as I was going through the PIP process. I had been granted PIP and then within a year called back for reassessment. The poem is called A Conservative Error. To our Tory PM with dismay, I find myself racked with disgust. Your team's letter arrived here today. The contents are simply unjust. Your government must simply not know. Parkinson's disease has no cure. Many symptoms are hidden from show. Each day is a trial to endure. My neurologist saw me last week. He assessed my symptoms with skill. He observed my movement and speech, examples of how I am ill. My partner joined the consultation, for caregivers share this despair. I recounted with trepidation of the day I fell down the stairs. Your PIP team has asked me to attend their assessment where I must prove that my symptoms are real, not pretend, despite how I struggle to move. I may dribble or slur when I speak. Sometimes I twitch, tremor or freeze. I may need an unexpected leak, or I may fall on my bum, back or knees. I may sleep at the drop of a hat, though seldom when I'm in my bed. Hellish migraines that hit like a bat, it's the pain and vomit I dread. I scuff my boots so I must buy more, only sometimes I prepare food. Crockery that I drop to the floor, I fall in the bathroom while nude. Confusion with my medication, unable to easily dress, repeated bouts of constipation, my social life has become less. My symptoms and pain are relentless, now a beard for I cannot shave, reducing work so now I earn less, occasional thoughts of my grave. With shopping far too heavy to lift, my clothes rip when I bump a wall. Some relationships now have a rift. Self-confidence can become small. My handwriting is now so unclear. My voice often weak and quiet. Muscle tension and cramping severe. Reflux, no matter the diet. I can't drive far, for I have to rest. Restless legs incessant with shocks. 
a grabber for reaching things is best. I struggle to put on my socks. This list is not exhaustive by far, yet I sit here feeling perplexed. Your team's letter cuts right to my heart. To reassess me makes me vexed. Parkinson's disease only declines. I just become more disabled. PIP assessments cost resource and time. My disease must seem a fable. Degraded and judged is how I feel. While PIP seeks to prove I am well, they don't accept Parkinson's is real. The disabled are put through hell. Known as the nasty party you are. In defense you say, we spend more. Yet Pip is how low you have set the bar. The disabled have to endure. This poem evidences my strife. The government must now decide, while another will take their own life since your policies just deride. End PIP reassessment, I implore, for Parkinson's gets no better. End the judgment and shame you cause each time you send out your PIP letter. Time to just stop and say a big hello to Joe in Ipswich in Suffolk. Joe, thank you so much for listening regularly and supporting my work. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. Hello to you, and I hope you're doing well. Since connecting with people with Parkinson's across the world through a Facebook-based support group that I co-facilitate called Parkinson's Road, I have found many people with Parkinson's find great comfort in expressing themselves through artistry, whether that be in the form of the written word, painting, drawing, and other forms of visual art, such as photography, through to garden design, interior design, model making, and even the performing arts. This variety of creative activities is seemingly endless. I too have increasingly immersed myself in art, for me, writing is my creative medium. I find it can be a great distraction from my symptoms, but conversely, it can be a cathartic and therapeutic means of self-expression. For example, it can be hugely beneficial in helping me to express my thoughts, feelings and emotions about living my life with Parkinson's. For those who indulge in the performing arts, for example, acting, dance or singing, the benefits can be physical as well. Through performing arts, we may increase our physical stamina, balance and core strength. Through singing, we may overcome the quiet voice symptom and we may learn how to speak with either facial masking or facial tremors. And we may learn also to better control our mouth, tongue and throat in order to minimize the risks of choking, which is one of the other difficult symptoms of Parkinson's. There's also the social benefits of art. Practicing a form of art may help us develop friendships as we share our work with our friends. It may help us connect with a community as we show our work with our community and get to know other people who may be, for example, attending an art workshop or an exhibition. We may even develop a financial income or take part in creative events. And we may even go on to teach others our skills or give talks and presentations to people 
and groups about our own creativity. Through my work as a therapist, people will often tell me they want to try being creative, but that they lack the confidence to do so. This is very common. And I would urge you all to have a go at creative activity. If you feel a little nervous about doing so, maybe join a local group or an adult education class in your area. They will all welcome you and they'll be delighted to share their skills with you. You could ask a friend or a family member to attend with you, or if you prefer, you could seek out a tutor to come to your home. Many people who practice creativity go on to volunteer their time to helping others free of charge to learn new skills. You know, we also have our inner child within us. That's my therapeutic work speaking. But have you ever thought about just getting out a pad, pen, pencils, paintbrush, and just sitting at home having a dabble at art? But I seem to have recognised I have a built-in resistance to pacing myself. I know that as much as I love my naps, I harbour a resentment that there is a cost to everything I now do. Parkinson's demands that my body suffers following activities, and unless I rest to recover, Parkinson's gives me a kick. I suspect many, if not all of you, will identify with that. You may also share my sense of resentment about it, which is there in spite of my overall acceptance of my health. What are the ways in which you achieve rest and recovery yourself? Do you plan naps into your schedule? Are you one for battling against this? Do you now feel at peace with this aspect of living with Parkinson's? Or do you still carry some resentment about it, like me? This is a message for Margaret in British Columbia, Canada. Just to say that I'm terribly sorry to learn of your news of the loss of your brother. And as a person who, like me, you have young onset Parkinson's disease, this is a time particularly to be looking after your well-being and taking care of your health while you're going through a difficult loss. Best wishes to you and your family. With love. I've been thinking about the lack of provision of seating for people with disabilities or even just frailties in many of our communal areas, such as shops, high streets, parks, and other day-to-day venues that we all need to visit. It has been since developing Parkinson's that I've particularly become aware of the need for chairs and seating to be provided in public places and in shops. Parkinson's impacts upon me in a number of ways, including triggering pain, mobility problems, fatigue, tremor, occasional speech problems, and balance difficulty, let alone slowness, let alone freezing. These all happen at varying times, and you can never tell when they're going to hit. But when mobility is concerned, when I walk, or if I'm stood for more than a couple of minutes, I can experience debilitating pain, balance problems, and I can even fall as a result. While my disability is largely hidden, invisible, you will see me using a walking stick, and I have done so since 2016, before my diagnosis, in fact. Every so often, a couple of times a year, 
My lovely sister-in-law, Leslie, comes to stay with us for a few days. She has arthritis, but like me, her illness also includes fatigue. This typically triggers when you exert yourself. For example, if you take a simple shopping trip. Well, Leslie and I do like a bit of shopping. One sunny afternoon here in Suffolk, we went to a beautiful local market town called Woodbridge. It's a delightful market town on the banks of the stunning River Deben. As we walked around, <coughs> we found that there was nowhere to sit. I mean, there were benches dotted around, but not enough. They were full. And as we went into the shops, we started to get increasingly tired, increasingly pained. So we decided a break was needed and we set up ourselves in the King's Head pub situated in Market Hill in Woodbridge, which is very good, by the way. OK, I can hear you laughing and saying, oh, any excuse just to go to the pub. <laughs> well, it was good. We had a nice drink and we had a lovely lunch and it was great to have a break. But I'd reinforce the message about hidden illness. People saw two people enjoying their lunch and a drink and a chat on the surface, looking comfortable in a beautiful 15th century pub. What they wouldn't be able to tell, of course, is that we're disabled. We were wiped out. We had pains. We'd been desperate to just sit after visiting only two or three shops. I mean, we wanted to continue shopping. Who doesn't? We wanted to enjoy our time. Who doesn't? But not a single shop that we went in provided a chair for anyone who might need to sit and take a break, who might need to rest, who might be experiencing difficulty. As I've mentioned, there were some public benches in the street outside called the thoroughfare, but these were all occupied. And when you see people sat comfortably, particularly older people, you're going to be less inclined to go up and ask them to move, particularly if your own disability is hidden because you find it very hard to justify and explain yourself. So it's no secret that Suffolk has quite a high population of people of a state pension age. While age itself is not an illness, one might expect that with age can come physical health deterioration, infirmity or difficulty. And then there are people like my sister-in-law and I, in our late 40s, early 50s, or younger, who happen to be disabled. And in fact, there are people of all ages who might just happen to be disabled. Thanks to the European Union, directives have meant that many businesses have had to remodel their entrances and their exits so that disabled people can gain access to those services with ease. And that has been hugely beneficial life-changing for many people. But once you cross the threshold into a shop or a business that has made access easier, you can still find that there's absolutely nowhere to take an occasional rest on a seat or a chair. In my experience, no matter how easy it is to get in and out of some of the most remodeled shops and businesses, 
you can still end up deciding not to go in at all because you know that there's absolutely nowhere to sit if you end up in difficulty, discomfort, tiredness, or if your symptoms play up. As a result, those high street businesses lose my custom and the custom of people experiencing the same. That's really not good when you consider the state of the high street. I would like to see shops, businesses and public places provide more seating. It's really not difficult to imagine that people of all types and ages do need to sit and rest from time to time. But people like myself and my sister-in-law who have disability actually need to sit down and rest to help us cope with difficult symptoms. And if we don't, we can end up falling or ill in some way. After we visited Woodbridge, I drove us to the nearby village of Snape, a beautiful village based on the River Ald. And at Snape is a wonderful venue called Snape Maltings. From 1845, for about 120 years, Snape Maltings was a thriving industrial site. But these days, it's now home to concert hall, craft shops, furniture shops, stationery shops. It's a lovely venue for locals and for tourists alike. So I often enjoy going there. And as my sister-in-law and I wandered around, enjoying all that there was to enjoy, again, we needed to take a break before too long because of our symptoms. This time, we were able to gain respite by taking a break in store because there was a mezzanine floor in the main furniture part of the venue. There's a cafe called 1885 situated on that mezzanine. And it's lovely to go to for a coffee and a slice of cake. So the ease of being able to take that break in the store was helpful. And it did mean that we would then continue shopping rather than be too exhausted and have to go home. One difficulty we did encounter, however, was the lift or elevator, as some of you may call it. The unusually tiny lift required you to press on the button that caused the lift constantly, holding it down, pressing that in, which was very difficult. Then once you're in the lift, you've got to press and hold the button continuously to make the lift move at all. Again, very difficult if you have pain in your hands, your fingers, your knuckles, or if you have weakened strength, and both of those affect people with Parkinson's. So I chose not to go into the lift. It's also very small, and I'm quite claustrophobic anyway, so I was more prepared to walk up the stairs and take my time. My sister-in-law, with her walking difficulty, opted for the lift. My sister-in-law took a long time to get to the top. And when I finally got to see her, she emerged. She revealed to me that she'd had to let go of the button at times due to the pain in her hands and fingers and knuckles. And this caused the lift to stop until she resumed pressing the button again. So my overall observation here is that a lift has been provided, which is great for those who need it. 
but you have to use a button that requires continuous firm pressure to make the lift move. And not everybody has the ability to do that. If you run a business, if you run a service, if you design businesses and services and venues, please, can you do the following? Provide seats, provide more seats than you think you need. Dot chairs around, not so that they are obstacles, obviously. We have to think about health and safety and fire hazards, but we do need to take a seat sometimes. And think about the economy. Our high streets are dying and the shops are closing. And people like me who love to go out, who love to browse, who love to go to the shops and buy treats and gifts when we can afford to, well, we choose to stay at home. We choose to buy online because there's nowhere to sit. Well, I thought I would take a moment to discuss how you may be able to gain support from your utility service providers. For example, some electricity and gas service providers will offer a small discount on your regular bills if there is a disabled member of the household. Service providers of what are called the essential services, namely gas, electricity and water, may record your name on a list so that in the event that a supply has to be cut for maintenance or for emergency reasons, your property will be prioritised for being without services for the shortest time in the event that a disabled person is in residence. Please give your utility companies a call to see if they can help you. Remember to follow my blog www.dinocreative.co.uk and I look forward to catching up with you next week. Take care.